electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. Retail's big return as several names in that space hit new highs today. And now one well-known market watcher says an even bigger breakout could be on the way. You'll hear from him in a moment. We'll debate that call with our investment committee, as we always do. Joining me for the hour today are Pete Nigerian, Steve Weiss. Shannon Sakosha is the chief investment officer at Boston Private Wealth. Megan Shoes, the head of investment strategy at the Wilmington Trust. Let's check the market. Stock's been higher across the board. Pretty good day for stocks on this Friday. 254 right now for the Dow. S&P's good for a half percent. NASDAQ, not so bad either. Pete, September retail sales, nice beat there. Clothing, accessories, rising big. Retail ETF, the XRT, up 102% now for March lows. That's a new high today. Several stocks hitting new highs. Dick Sporting Goods, Best Buy, Target, Dollar General, Costco, and Lowe's. Bed Bath & Beyond on pace for its best month ever. Is it time to buy retail? Well, I, I think it, you, there are still select names that I think that you can buy in retail. And I think there are some names that have absolutely exploded to the upside. And you just went through a list. I mean, some of these names are at all-time high, Scott. So, yes. The, the consumer's strong. The consumer actually returned. The consumer's gotten out there. Those September numbers were well above what the expectations were and well above what we'd seen in August. So, yeah, these numbers are very, very impressive. And it, and it does go to show you just how strong these guys are in terms of everybody getting out and about and getting into different retail. It's not just about the essentials anymore. You just went through the laundry list. But, I mean, the reality is... It is about people going out and getting clothing, whether it's shoes, whether it's yoga material, whatever it might be. But we are seeing an absolute run towards that area and a nice springboard. And we're seeing a lot of those names getting rewarded for it, as we've seen. And I will add this. It still does have a lot to do with, Scott, however, that it's got a lot to do with the e-commerce. If you have a great presence there, you are absolutely one of those that is on the haves as opposed to the have-nots. Yeah. And those are, those are the names that are really flying to the upside. I feel, though, Pete, you're a little more willing than most to go out on the retail <laughs> risk curve, if, if you will. Mm. I, I get the Lulus and the Targets and some of the names that have obviously worked well during, during COVID. But TJX calls, mm -hmm. Gap calls, it's a little bit further out there. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is, absolutely. Especially when I'm looking at, at, at gaps. It's not, it, it's not necessarily a name that I normally would be attracted to, Scott, but fortunately, we'd seen some unusual options there. And I think that there's a lot going on behind the scenes in terms of gap and what might be the lead in the future. And, and I think there's going to be a lot of shuffling around there, but they've done a great job of managing themselves, I think, through the pandemic. And there are other names as well. I mean, we, we could go through a, li a long list. How about Bed Bath & Beyond? And by the way, I'd gotten out of that. I'm already back in that, so I just want to let you know that as well. So mm -hmm. that's one of those names where you look at the, the leadership position. 
what an amazing turnaround. It's, it's been less than a year, somewhere very close to a year, and the, the management there and what they've been able to accomplish in a very short period of time is pretty extraordinary because this was left for dead by a lot of us, including myself. I, I, I even questioned, why does it exist? You could go to Target to get just about everything. You could go to Walmart to get just about everything that you get in a BBBY. But when you look at the very top, you can see exactly what the game plan was and how they are doing a great job in execution right now. And I think that's why this is a name that's not only, it was just $14, Scott, not too terribly long ago in front of earnings, 14 or $15, and then take a look at where it is right now. An absolutely extraordinary move to the upside. 641% percent off the year low? That's insanity. Steve Weiss, you, you agree with this? Yeah. You agree yeah. with, with, um, with Beth, Beth Beyond, as I said, pacing for its best, best month ever? I do agree with it, and I'm frankly embarrassed I don't own it because the lead activist in there is someone I've known for 25 years when we started working at Solomon together. So I'm very familiar with the story. Uh, the family that ran it uses a personal piggy bank and did everything possible that you could wrong. So, for example, they sourced over 90% of their goods through a third party when they're big enough to go directly. Walmart doesn't go through a third party. They have too many SKUs, storekeeping units. So there's a lot of rationalization. Then when you bring somebody in, Pete mentioned Target, with that kind of background to take a look and saying, hey, this is low-hanging fruit, they're salivating at what they can still do there. So I'm waiting for a pullback. I don't think I'll get one, so I may have to just, you know, just go in like Pete has. But uh, as I said, I'm embarrassed I don't own it here. That's a, that's a nice move. As I am. That's a nice move. I mean, the rest of my crew feels a little more conservative today on retail. Shan, I mean, I look at what you've got. Costco, Home Depot, totally get it. Uh, makes complete sense. But are you not as willing as Pete to take a little more risk in retail? Are you not as much of a believer, perhaps, that these stocks have some serious room to go? I am not as much of a believer as Pete is right now. <laughs> I, I can attest to that. Uh, and I don't think this is dissimilar to the way that I felt before the pandemic, to be honest with you. Um, if you looked at our portfolio prior to the pandemic, you know, where we were exposed in uh, the consumer was really more to the experience side. So travel, for instance, um, we've been, I would say, less optimistic about uh, retail, especially apparel retail over the last several years. And I don't feel a whole lot better right now. I think that some of this demand has been pulled ahead for the Christmas season. Um, I think a store like uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, I think people are going there because they're looking for choice that they're not seeing maybe in some of the, the larger stores. Uh, I still think that there are supply chain issues that are plaguing um, some of these retailers. And I think that's going to continue. And so for me, when I look at the, um, the potential for some of these retailers, I don't think that there is as much upside. Yeah, I'm looking, uh, Megan, at the online retail ETF is on pace for its fifth straight weekly gain. I mean, I get, Pete mentioned, you know, the omni-channel and online sales and, and all that. So it's clear where the winning is, is coming from. You recommend people buy retail here or no? So we are also cautious on the consumer. I have to agree with a lot of what Shannon said. I think if you are looking at having some retail exposure, and we're neutral across sectors, so we do have some retail exposure, uh, those areas that have the online presence are key beneficiaries. One area that doesn't benefit as much from online, but we also still uh, find opportunities within, is the off-price retail. 
Um, this is a story, again, with a cautious outlook for the consumer going forward where off-price retail can benefit along two channels. One, from the high level of expected bankruptcies that we are already seeing and will continue to see within retail. They benefit from the inventory pass down to uh, off-price retail. And then from the trade down within consumer spending. We've seen a lot of uh, the consumers remain resilient, even though unemployment benefits have rolled, uh, have rolled off. But spending, uh, I'm sorry, savings has been funding quite a bit of that. The savings rate has dropped from about 30, north of 30% to closer to 14% in a very short amount of time. So that is being funded from savings, and that can only go so too, so far. Weiss, you've got some really nice retail winners month to date. Group one, I mean, autos have been red hot. Group one automoto, automotive, excuse me, up 40%. GameStop, 32. Hibbit Sports, 28. We mentioned sporting goods as part of that retail sales report today, we're strong. Signet up 23%, Chewy 22, Etsy 22, Stitch Fix 21, Big Lots 20, Zoomies 17, Grubhub 17. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not that bullish on retail, even though I've got some pretty good retail exposure. You left out Peloton, which is I consider a retail name, goes directly to the consumer. Um, Target, Lulu, some of the names that that Pete owns, I think it's very selective. Look, the facts are that unemployment is exceptionally high. The other point that I'd make is that shopping has been the proxy or the substitute for entertainment. You can't go out to a movie. You're not going out to restaurants by and large. So what do you do? You stay home and you shop. You go online. So I think a lot of demand has been pulled forward like Shannon does and people's closets are full. And I don't think the consumer is in better shape than they were when we saw retail waddling around in, in mediocrity before COVID. So yeah, but how do you play that? I'm how, not that positive on it. How do you play the idea yeah. of this pent up demand? I mean, at, let, let's put it this way. We, we know that th- things in the market move before the actual event happens, right? It's just the way things right. tend to work. Mm-hmm. At what point do these retail names more broadly catch a bid looking ahead to the other side of, of COVID or towards a, a vaccine? I think they have caught the bid as the whole market has been supported by a vaccine and that you'll get another pop. It's purely momentum market. I bought a stock today, which isn't in my uh, uh, disclosure. So I just finished buying it uh, this morning. And this is an interesting one. It's JMIA. And that is an African online e-teller. And I bought it for two reasons. Number one, the U.S. and Europe and China aren't the only areas going to more of an online presence in retail. Number one. Number two, it's a great Robin Hood name. So this isn't going to be a core holding. This is going to be a name that's going to work because of the momentum in it. And by the way, I do have a good fundamental backdrop because they're one of the first movers in that part of the world. There's a lot so of optimism around what's that going name. To happen I'm sorry to interrupt you real quick, just for context, and, and then I'll let you continue. Forgive me, Steve. Uh, that yeah. stock is on pace for its best week since July. Exactly. It's the momentum, and you pointed out correctly. And um, look, it's a momentum market. If they continue to execute in the fundamentals, and they have, they report a good quarter after good quarter, and the stock continues to work, it's like Jim's trade in Roku, frankly. This will work, and it will work very, very nicely. These are more speculative. They're not going to be core positions. They're thinly traded by and large, not today, not over the last week. But what's going to happen after COVID, after the vaccine? It's going to be like the water going out. We're going to see who's wearing the bathing suit and who's not. And 
like Shannon does and Megan says, I'm not that positive on the consumer overall. Lots of job losses will be permanent. You can go with the luxury retailers that we saw as LVMH, but apparel retailers, the Ralph Lauren's of the world, I'm just not there and I, I'm not going to be guess, there. I mean, but that, I be as, a gap. as we're learning in, in, you know, important parts of the country, people are tired of being holed up, right, in, in their houses. They, they want to get out. They want to go shopping. Shannon, I see you shaking your head. Right. They, they, they want to go shopping. They're also afraid they're not going to be able to go shopping in 60 days, Scott. Um, you know, we live in the, the northern part. I live in the northern part of the United States. Uh, I know that I'm going to need things in the middle of winter. Um, I'm going out and I'm buying those now. I, I think that there is going to be a significant pressure. Um, and I actually I disagree um, with Megan's view on low on low cost retailers. I think that this is an opportunity for you know those companies to face a lot of pressure in the near term because working class Americans are hardest hit by this recession and we aren't seeing trade down because we're seeing you know still continued savings um, for you know higher class uh, work higher class Americans um, you know upper middle class upper class Americans still are seeing significant uh, additional money in their <laughs> in their bank accounts and so um, I'm concerned about lower lower price retailers I think Steve makes a point I think some of the the high-end brands could continue to uh, do well over the course of the next couple of months but I think there's going to be a reversal in this trade and I certainly don't want to be in some of the lower quality names like L Brands and Gap, um, which I didn't like prior to this, and I certainly don't like anymore now. Okay, well, it's interesting you say that because our, our next guest um, disagrees with you, thinks we're going to have a, a breakout in the retail ETF, specifically the XRT. Jonathan Krinsky, well-followed uh, technician at Baycrest Partners, joins us now on the phone. Welcome back. Thanks, Scott. Good to be here. So we've just had this big conversation about retail. Shannon's a non-believer. You say it's coming. A, a bigger breakout. Why? Well, so when we talk about retail, there is probably, like many parts of the market, and perhaps most so, there's this bifurcation where we have the uh, kind of the growth secular winners and then kind of the, uh, the names that have been kind of left for dead, the, the more brick-and-mortar plays. But what's nice about the XRT, which is the retail ETF, um, it's a very equally weighted ETF. The biggest holding is about 2.5%, and it gives you a bit of both. So there is some of the more e-commerce type plays, the Etsy's, um, names like that, and then there's kind of the more traditional names that have struggled. But if we put them all together, we look at this ETF, it's been in a sideways trading range for five years, um, and it just started to break out earlier this year, actually put in a new 52-week closing high yesterday. So I think when you kind of take a blended approach to the broad retail space, and that's what this ETF gives you, it's gone sideways for five years, breaking out. It actually hit an 18-month relative high to the S&P, so it's not only a new absolute highs, it's starting to outperform the market. We think that's a pretty uh, compelling uh, case to be made that retail can move higher here. Yeah, I mean, the compelling chart we're looking at, you see the breakout all the way on the far right, or what looks to be the early stages of, of a breakout. Maybe it's better said that way. Um, and you actually have stock picks that, again, um, you know, Shannon doesn't like L Brands. You say L Brands is on the list that you like. We don't normally talk to you about individual names, but you do have a list for us today. Haynes Brands, yeah. L Brands, Capri Holdings, Under Armour, Williams Sonoma. That's out of retail. Let's start there, and then we can go to some of the other names you have. Yeah, so the first four you mentioned are, are more in what we would 
classified as kind of the low momentum names. These are names that really um, struggled off the lows in March, but now they're starting to uh, to reassert themselves. They're in good technical positions, and again, they've just they've been so hated and beaten down that I think, um, from a sentiment perspective, it, it wouldn't take much to get them over to the upside. The last one there, William Sonoma, is, is more. Um, on the high momentum group, and it's actually uh, breaking out of a, also a five-year base. So there's there's a lot of different uh, different styles and names within retail, but I think um, you know you want to have a little bit of a little bit of both here. You've got restaurants on the list: Brinker, Dunkin', Papa John's, McDonald's, Wendy's, Yum, Jack in the Box, El Pollo Loco. Talk to me. A couple of names of, of maybe you want to pick out from that list and tell me why they they seem to be a position to do well now. Yeah, again, a lot of these have um, really done nothing for a couple of years. Uh, McDonald's, you know, is just now back above its highs from 2019, similar to Wendy's. So really the idea here is that um, there's just been a lot of negative news, you know, the fact that these names haven't gone anywhere in a couple of years. Um, Brinker actually, uh, ticker EAT, you know, this goes back, back, again, five, six years of sideways. So when you have situations where uh, stocks or, or indices have done nothing for that long, um, the, the bar gets lowered, sentiment gets lowered, and, you know, again, it doesn't take, take much of a move to kind of get, um, to get repriced and see some nice upside momentum. Interesting. Jonathan, I appreciate it very much. I'm going to kick these around with the gang, uh, but we'll talk to you again soon. That's Jonathan Krinsky. Pete, what do you think of this list that Krinsky puts together? I mean, it's, an, it's a compelling story. If you look at that five-year chart of, of going nowhere, in his words, for the XRT, and now those signs mm-hmm. of a breakout with some of these right. names on that list. What do you make of it? Yeah, I, and, I, and I like his list. I think there are, obviously, we all have selective names that we, we keep a little bit closer eye on than others. And, and one of the names, like, for instance, in my portfolio for a long time, presently it's not in there, but QSR as well. So there, I think there's a lot in the food space that, that people are missing out on. We had the initial plunge, obviously, with just about everything back in March. But I think... People, as we get into winter months and as we get into potential more issues going forward until we get vaccines, until we get treatments, uh, people will be concerned, obviously, through the winter months. But I think we will look at some of these uh, different takeout type places or drive through places as an opportunity. And I think some of those names, I think McDonald's is one of those names. I think also there, there are multiple other names, even Chipotle and what they've been able to do and transform themselves so well into this whole digital era that they, they've just done an amazing job, I think. And obviously that's been what's been catapulting that stock. But there are a lot of different names out there, Scott, I think in the fast food area that I think certainly still have plenty of upside at this point in time. Takes us to earnings next week. 80 the S&P 500 companies reporting got eight Dow components on that list. Many are owned by uh, you guys. Shannon, you know, it's interesting. You sound a little negative on the economy or at least where you think we're going to go. Virus cases are tip, tick, ticking up. Union Pacific reports next week on your list, um, which seems to fly in the face of a person, someone who thinks we're negative or going to have uh, you know, more issues in the economy. IBM, P&G, Verizon, Netflix, Abbott, and Union Pacific. Talk to me. 
So um, I'll, I'll talk about Union Pacific because you mentioned it. Uh, you know, I do think I do think we're seeing we're likely to see a, a reaccelerating um, industrial manufacturing manufacturing cyclical economy into next year. And so, even though I have some near-term concerns about consumer strength, I think the tailwinds for Union Pacific are not just on the macroeconomic side, but also on the execution side. And so, I continue to think that this is a good play. Um, for anybody who wants to be in the industrials and, and transports in particular, it's a very well-run company that is likely to benefit, particularly if we get some sort of large-scale infrastructure package, which I, which I do expect to see next year. Um, you know, I think the names are really interested in for next week. Um, you know, IBM's a recent ad for us this year. Um, they announced a spinoff. Uh, and I think we're, we're not going to get a whole lot of detail on that, but this is just evidence that management continues to execute on a plan to change that business um, and, better, and create a better mix. And then on Netflix, I, I know everybody's looking at that particular stock, and so am I, um, and it's really about subscriber growth. They've been conservative in the past, uh, and so expectations, whisper numbers are much higher than what the company's guiding for. But I'm really interested to see, um, I think there's going to be a tailwind for Netflix based on Disney's announcement last week, uh, direct-to-consumer, streaming, original content, all of those are right in Netflix's basket, and so I'm really excited to hear their comments on that. Megan, everything's been a whisper number, so to speak, because their guidance really hasn't been any. So it's hard to figure out what's what heading into earnings season. I mean, now we're getting hot and heavy next week. Banks, all right, they kick you off next week. As I said, 80 S&P companies, some tried and true names right from the Dow. What do you expect? Yeah, well, we would not be surprised to see uh, another repeat in terms of upside surprise that we saw in the second quarter. Again, I think a lot of the data, uh, we are cautious, but the data has held up better than we would have expected since the expiration of unemployment benefits and federal stimulus back in July. So I think going forward uh, for the third quarter, we wouldn't be terribly surprised, again, given the volatility of numbers and the sheer magnitude of what we're talking about, to see some pretty big potential upside surprise. But the question in terms of you know, those more growth-oriented, a lot of tech names versus some of the cyclicals is can growth continue to outperform or are we having some are we going to start to see some um some signs that it was a bit of a pull forward and you're going to have to pause in terms of uh resetting expectations and treading water for a little bit going forward pete i want to really hear from you about what you're expecting from sure. intel which has been a just a major disappointment is anything going to change with that report coming next week well, I think, Scott, you, you, you're right to say a major disappointment, and that's why the stock, when it was $60, went all the way down to $48. But I thought that was an oversell, which is why that created opportunity, and that's what we're looking for all the time, opportunity. So now you're looking at the stock that's actually come back a little bit, probably back to the areas where it should have dropped to before it actually continued that fall uh, further down. So I think that there's a possibility. I mean, obviously, the reshuffling that they had to do and, and, and the big miss that they did in terms of the delivery and the time frames of delivery, that was huge. And that, I think, got priced in. So now we're looking at a company that's going to have to deliver on those lowered expectations. And can they get over that bar? I think they can. But if not, I would absolutely say the same thing that I said on the last earnings cycle. I would say that that puts the, uh, the CEO with a little bit of a target on him because of the fact that this has to get done and done right. They already had the misstep. You cannot have further missteps. So we'll have to see if they've been able to execute on that. They're in the right spot, Scott, but they have not executed properly. They've been punished for that. 
And now we'll see this quarter if they've been able to at least gather themselves and move forward and continue to be the intel that I expect them to be. Weiss, what, what name or two jumps out on the list for you? There are many. Uh, Netflix and Snap and Verizon, Abbott Labs, Dow, American Express. Also, Bank of America has, in terms of surprises coming from earnings season, Intel is on that list, along with Texas Instruments, AMD, Skyworks, and Lamb Research. So you got your pick of a, a lot of names well, there, Weiss. Yeah, Skyworks, Skyworks is one of my biggest positions, even though I cut it back, and that's the 5G play, which is not the consumer play. The consumer, little benefit from 5G, but it's really the business use cases. So you're seeing 5G deployed everywhere, and that's where Skyworks is going to play. So their total addressable market has increased exponentially. So looking for that, Texas Instruments, same thing, not quite 5G, but the same thing. I was looking at a trade Netflix today, and with the stock, when it was up six or so, the stock was trading at 545, and the options expiring next Friday, the 550s, were $26. So you can get into the stock, and if there's a 5% negative move, you're covered. But if the stock moves up 5% by shorting those calls, and this is Pete's backyard, you can make a pretty good trade. So I'm still thinking of putting on that trade. I just think the options are just mind-blowingly expensive. Uh, so I'm very interested in Netflix yeah. um, as, as a trade and as a position. You, I'd love to you be there. A, I haven't been there for a couple hundred points. I'm sorry to interrupt, Steve. You have a couple of price target bumps. I just wanted to get that in on Netflix today. 670 from 575. It's a reiterated buy over at Bank of America. That's a new street high there for that target. Price target goes to 630 at Oppenheimer. I'm sorry, at uh, Morgan Stanley. It's overweight. Again, 630. So there are some bullish calls there. What about IBM, Steve? Um, has the tide turned with the spin? Is it now finally time to get rewarded in IBM? I don't think so. I, I still, it's not like you have new management. It's not like you have this rock star CEO that's coming in, that came into Target, that came into Chipotle, that came into pick a company. Uh, you've got basically the same old, same old. Uh, well, it's, it's not it's the same old, same I've old. Got too much tech exposure. But, but that's unfair. Well, they're spinning off a company. Right. Right. And they're focusing it, it, more on the it, cloud. They're spinning off a company. Right. right. They're fo focusing more on a cloud, on the cloud. And their new CEO is a rock star in the cloud. Uh, he... I disagree on that. I disagree. He was in the cloud for two years. He's been, you know, that's what he ran for two years, not even two years. But I've got enough cloud participation in Amazon. I mean, that to me is the cloud. So, I'd, and by the way, with some of the 5G names that power the cloud. So I'd rather be there. Um, I'm just not ready to go there. To go there, I'd have to get rid of another tech name. And as we've seen with old tech, whether it's IBM or it's Intel or it's Cisco, they can be good trading stocks, but you got to be very, very careful and be an expert in like Peter. Shannon, enlighten Mr. Weiss, if you would, on IBM. I don't have, I, mean, I, I don't have a take at, at all on it, but you do because you own it. <laughs> I do. I, I think, I think the spinoff's a big deal. Uh, I think he's understating the importance of this. It's going to be a richer, um, richer mix. 
um, better margins, higher growth portfolio or profile for the Remain Co. And I, I feel like this is an example of, yes, are there other tech names? But they don't trade at these valuations. IBM's got a nice dividend. They're paying, they're paying for you to wait for the return to IT spend. And, you know, I, I, I don't think there's a lot of downside here in owning this name through, the, you know, the end of next year. I mean, not that that's a specific time frame for me, but, um, but yeah, I mean, when I look at my basket, I think there's more opportunity here from an appreciation perspective, from a catalyst perspective, um, and it's not going to be left behind in a big growth rotation. So, well, the stock seems to be moving up slightly during the conversation. So, I think the the market weiss is with <laughs> Shannon at least right now for this moment. We will take. I've enjoyed the conversation. We'll take a quick break. Come back with more. Our investment committee making moves in the market. Their new trades are just ahead. Plus, bullish calls on Caterpillar, Costco, Chewy. We'll break them all down. And a reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. We're back in two minutes. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn more. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Sue Herrera. Here's your CNBC News update at this hour. More than one in five Medicare recipients say they have foregone non-COVID-19 care during the pandemic. That's according to the federal agency that administers Medicare. The most common types of care that are being skipped are dental visits and regular checkups. More than 8,000 travelers landed in Hawaii yesterday, the first day of a program that lets people who test negative before they fly skip that state's two-week quarantine. The U.S. Postal Service has pulled its uniformed police force off the streets. That's according to the Wall Street Journal. Officers escort letter carriers on some routes and work to prevent mail theft. A union representing the police officers is suing the Postal Service over those changes. And Wall Street is apparently helping drive big donations to the Biden campaign. The Center for Responsive Politics says the financial industry gave more than $50 million to the Biden campaign versus just over $10 million to Trump's reelection efforts. You can go to CNBC.com. There's a whole list of the big donors. You're up to date, Scott. Back to you. All right. Appreciate that, Sue. Thanks. Good weekend to you, Sue you Herrera. Let's, thank you. Let's bring in Rahel Solomon now. Has some of those calls we talked about. Rahel, what can you tell us? Hey, Scott. So let's start with Jeffrey's downgrading wind resorts to hold from buy. Target drops to 81 bucks from 111. You can see the stock is down about a percent. So this is due to slower recovery in Macau. Also, analysts think that some of the good news, like online gaming, is already baked in here. Uh, Caterpillar gets upgraded to overweight from equal weight. This is at Wells Fargo. Target jumps 60 bucks to 220. The firm expects increased demand and notes that the stock rarely waits for fundamentals to improve before the price rises. So maybe buy it here. Jeffries upgrading Costco, as we talked about earlier in the show, to buy from hold. So Costco, as you mentioned, Scott, hitting new all-time highs today, and the target goes from 435 from 321. The firm also upgrading Chewy to buy. Target here rises to 100 from 59. So this is as Chewy continues to benefit from two COVID drivers. So a rise in pet adoption and even more e-commerce use. And Scott, to give that some perspective, nearly a third of pet owners surveyed by Jeffries, it was about 1,000 people, got their pet within the last six months. The stock, by the way, up 130 
3% year-to-date. I will say, Scott, that if my apartment could fit more than one dog, I would have also <laughs> gotten another pet during the pandemic. But um, right. apparently a lot of other people are. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks, Rahel. Thank you sure. so much. Uh, that's Rahel Solomon. Um, you know, Shan, let's start with Costco. I got a question on Twitter um, asking if everyone on the desk owns it. I, that's not the case, but you do. Uh, so since we got the question and Rahel just talked about it, why don't you give us the first comment again, just for, for folks, upgraded to buy at Jeffries, the target to 435 from 321. The question here is the sustainability of some of the trends that we've seen in COVID. And we've seen a lot of questions about that. Will we continue to stay home? Will the Home Depots of the world? Costco is another question. Um, will we all continue to bulk up and buy um, at a Costco after there's no apparent reason to do so? And the reality is, is that you are seeing, based on the renewals, that certainly once a once a Costco customer, almost always a Costco customer. And so I think now that we're seeing non-essential spend increasing at Costco, you're seeing people that maybe have not been into a Costco previously, or it's been, you know, 10 years since really warehouse stores came out. Um, they're enjoying the experience. They understand that they're getting very similar brands um, at better prices uh, and buying in bulk. And, you know, we have a lot of people that are moving out of smaller spaces into bigger spaces, and there's more storage there. So I think this is a great upgrade, and, and we continue to like this stock. It's a very high conviction name for us. Pete, I know you don't own Wynn Resorts anymore, but, but talk to me about this call. Right. It got downgraded to hold at Jeffries. As Rahel was telling us, they cite the Macau recovery timeline. And also, I think there was news this week of hours in Vegas, at least one of the at at least one of the properties being cut for lack of activity. Yeah, well, and that, that's that all says it all right there, Scott. I mean, specifically when you're talking about Macau, though, because obviously the percentage of revenue coming from Macau is way outweighs Las Vegas. But I still think it's something that we we presume that everything is just back to normal for whatever reason, or at least we're hearing some reports of a lot of that. And yet, I don't know that we're even close to normal again, Scott. And so until we do, I think we're going to see some of these numbers continue to be not so great when you're looking at specifically the casino numbers. And I think it's worthwhile just to put your hands back in your pocket and wait for a little while for some of these names. We do see paper once in a while in Las Vegas Sands and some of these names. But quite honestly, it's been wrong. They have not been right for a while now. So I think it would be the smart move would be to just step back for a while from some of these casinos, especially those weighted towards Macau, and just wait for these, some of the, those numbers to start improving a lot more than they have because they certainly haven't improved as much as a lot of people might be perceiving that they have. Let me run through a few names with you, Pete, uh, before we take a break of, of some yep. of the moves that you've made. They're interesting. Um, you bought stock, which, you know, you don't do all that often. Obviously, everybody knows um, your, your uh, options activity, if you will. Um, you bought stock in mm -hmm. Vertive Holdings, VRT, Victor Roger Thomas, yeah. VRT, Vertive Holdings. Tell us what that is. Yep. Digital infrastructure, and it, it applies to a lot of different, different businesses, Scott, but this is a spinoff company from Emerson from years ago. So it's a, it's a really interesting company to me because I feel like they really do feed into what a lot of us are expecting to have happen, which would be more on the industrial side. I think they feed into that. And because of that, I think this is a name where I'd seen some unusual options in there and I chose to buy the stock instead. And I'll be selling options against that. To Steve's point, 
even though the VIX has come back significantly, Scott, the reality is there are many stocks out there, and he mentioned, I believe it was Netflix, but there are many stocks out there where the implied volatilities are extremely high, even with the VIX itself for the S&P 500 coming down and staying well below 30 now for a while. So there are companies out there where you can get some great premiums, and it's amazing how fast over months you can actually pay for a lot of these positions. So this is the case, I think, in something like Avertive right now. I like the company. I like where they are, where they're positioned, and I think I can sell options against this for a while and continue to just hold on to this stock it doesn't have to move in an explosive way and i don't expect it to but i like where they are in terms of what the businesses they are they're in and who they're servicing you, right now you also uh, do this quick for me too FireEye calls and zillow calls yep yeah zillow's been one of these matter of fact gene munster is the guy who enlightened me on this one he he, he said this weeks ago, maybe months ago now, he talked about that in terms of one of those names that a lot of people don't think of that actually has plenty of upside in front of it right now. So I like it. We've seen a lot of option activity out there as well. So I've, I've got some calls there. Um, and, and it just seems like right now, Scott, we are seeing activity across just about every sector. And it's just been something amazing how right they have been in so many sectors. So we'll continue to do that. And I, I continue to add all kinds of different names to my portfolio on the option side as well. Yep, I hear you. Okay, thanks for that. Coming up, our experts are ready to answer your questions. Ask Halftime's coming up. Send your questions in by video and we will play them on the air. You can email us, askhalftime at cnbc.com. We're back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. All right, let's answer some of your questions now. First, a video one for Pete. What do you tell a day trader like me who is trying something he has not done in a long time, keeping stocks uh, that he hasn't kept more than a week? What should I do? All right, Pete, that's, that's really to you. It's question, kind of like day trading, day trading versus <laughs> long term. Yeah. I think the real, the easy answer is why are you, dis, why are you determining you're going to hold on to this stock, right? Because 
the reality is when you're a day trader, you don't care about fundamentals. You don't care about any of that side of the business. So you're just trying to flip and, and move around as fast as you can. So I think in the case of this, you better understand what the company is, what the fundamental stories are, and why you determined that you're going to hold on to this and no longer be a day trader. So it's basically about knowing the information that most of us are all trying to research all day long to get all that as fresh as we can. And I think that's very, very important. So if you're going to do that, you better know a heck of a lot more about the company itself and the business and what catalysts are out there. All right. Thanks for that. Thanks for the question, too. All right, Weiss, to you, Tony in Massachusetts. Where's Boeing going? I don't think Boeing's going anywhere. I don't want to own a company where I'm worried about their customers staying in business, number one. Number two, China is passing the export control law. Now, while that only deals with cashmere goat breeding and some technology, some other technology, it can be expanded to hit Boeing because Boeing's got a defense business and we've targeted all the Chinese companies that have defense businesses. So I don't want to be there. I don't like anything about this company for the next year or two years. All right, Shan, to you, David in California, Cisco, the food company. Is it a buy at this level, given the lack of live events and sports, schooling, work from home and restaurant closures? Yes, you think this is a great way to play that reopening, a safer way to play the reopening than picking a particular restaurant stock or um, trying to get involved in that way. They have been expanding their footprint um, to include more distribution to uh, grocery stores in, in included in their typical university and, and restaurant footprint. So we think it's a buy here, a great way to play the staple space. Okay, thank you. Megan, lastly to you, Grant in Michigan. I'm 18 years old, saved enough to make my first significant investment. What ETF would you suggest to buy and hold for a long time? We so much appreciate that question, Grant in Michigan. All right, Megan, what's the answer? Yeah, well, Grant, first of all, kudos to you uh, for getting started early. That is more than half of the battle when you're investing for the long term. I would be looking at an ETF that mirrors the MSCI All Country World Index. You're going to get global exposure, U.S., developed international and emerging markets. We've had nearly a decade of U.S. outperformance. While we might not see a reversal uh, into non-U.S., what's going to happen is it's going to reduce the volatility of your portfolio, and you will end up with more over the long term from that smoother ride. So a globally diversified equity index. All right, good stuff. Thank you. All right, Pete's latest unusual activity trades. Those are next. Welcome back. There's unusual activity. And, uh, wow, nice. Pete, flex, up 17%. Unusual. Tell me what you're yeah. seeing. Yeah. Well, it's a double hit for us, Scott. As a matter of fact, yesterday afternoon they were buying these flex calls. They were actually buying October and the next week expiring, the 23rd expiring, 12 strike calls. Stock was trading right around 12. They were 40 cents. Now today the stock makes this powerful move to the upside. And not only are people loving what they're seeing, but now they're buying the November 14 strike calls with the stock trading about 14 and a half or in that range. So very aggressive buying there as well. They were paying about a buck 35 for those calls. So interesting to see two days in a row. Secondly, I've got another one for you with Pfizer. Now, Pfizer has hit six times in the last week and a half or so. Very aggressive buying once again. The November 39 calls paying about 85 cents for those, Scott, 20,000 of those trading. And they're selling other options against that. It's a smart trader who wants to be in there, thinks there's going to be a fairly quick move for Pfizer, at least, to get up and over 39 in a short period of time. Okay, coming up, wheat prices, they're surging 15% in a month. We'll find out how the futures traders are playing that rally. We'll do it next.
It's time for the futures outlook. Wheat futures rallying over 5% this week, hitting their highest levels since 2014. Scott Nations and Jeff Kilberg are breaking down the action force today. Gentlemen, good to see you. Scott Nations, you first. I see Kilberg was deferring to you on Twitter, so I'm just going with that. <laughs> All right, Scott, listen, it's through the roof. It's up 28% since just the middle of August. That tells you it's a weather market. And why is the weather such a problem? Well, last summer was the hottest summer on record for the Northern Hemisphere, so we had problems with production here in the United States and Ukraine and in Russia. In fact, in Russia, it's so bad, they're going to tighten restrictions on exports, uh, particularly starting in January. They're going to restrict exports to anywhere else in the country. Scott, when, when, an, uh, when a commodity gets into a weather market, it is really tough to trade, but, but wheat is bullish. Okay. Jeff Kilberg? Well, high tide has lifted all boats. We've seen wheat move higher. We've seen corn, even soybeans. But I know the tighter supplies issue that Scott just touched on is important. But I think the center stage focus really is food insecurity. We hear this food insecurity globally as people really get concerned about a second COVID wave. And as we see food insecurity, I think that is a driver here, Scott. We're seeing high volume in the wheat futures. We're seeing people potentially hoard some food going into a potential flu season here in the United States. All right, guys, good weekend. Talk to you soon. We'll follow wheat futures. You too, pal. All Thanks, right, man. coming up, we'll do final trades straight ahead on the Halftime Report. The CNBC FA Summit will bring together the country's top advisory firms to explore the state of markets. Join Jay Clayton, Mario Gabelli, Danny Fava, and more forward-thinking advisors to discover new ways to address the increasingly complex needs of your clients. Visit CNBCEvents.com slash FA Summit to learn more and register for the summit on October 20th. All right, welcome back. We'll do final trades in a minute. Pete, though, want to get to Amex, which is reporting earnings next week. You own it. Uh, Shannon owns it, too. Give me your opinion first, then I get Shan. Um, obviously, they've got pressure on them, Scott. This is one of those companies that, because of COVID, because they're related to travel and business and all the rest of it, a little bit more so than the rest of the credit card companies, that's going to be a little bit of an Achilles heel to them in terms of their earnings. But I expect this company, it hasn't done great. It hasn't done as well as Visa, MasterCard. But I still think this is a great company. I look at the valuation levels. I still think it makes a lot of sense. I own it, and I'll continue to own it. How about you, Shan? Yeah, I mean, I think the exposure here has always been perceived as being really high to travel, and so that's created some pressure on this stock. But again, with that bifurcated consumer recovery that we've been talking about, I think American Express probably um, is still able to uh, post some decent earnings over the next couple of quarters. What about Coca-Cola, Pete, which is the middle of next week? Yeah, I like this name. I think they've done a magnificent job of, of manipulating around what a lot of what they have in, in their portfolio, Scott. And they have so many different areas in the portfolio for Coca-Cola. They've done a great job of acquisitions, getting away from carbonation in a lot of cases into other areas. So for that reason, I think this is a company that could knock it out of the park once again. I think that this is, is one of the most solid companies in that particular segment that uh, I, I love what they do. I love what they're doing against what their biggest rival, of course, Pepsi. But Pepsi's a little bit of a different animal because of the fact that they went the snacks route. Eventually, I think Coca-Cola will probably start getting some acquisitions in that direction All as right. well. All right, let's do final trades. Megan Chu, you're first. Um, we like to, we're looking at the industrial sector. Uh, it's held up pretty well. It's recovering nicely in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. If you look at global manufacturing, PMI 
orders over inventories, it would suggest uh, recovery continuing. Okay, good stuff. Shan? Uh, Steve hasn't mentioned 5G yet, so let me go with Verizon. Um, this is the 5G play of the day for today. Um, um, we're looking. We're looking for um, Verizon. Really hasn't been rewarded yep. as of yet for the money that they've been spending in 5G. So we're looking at that. All right, good stuff. Pete, uh, Pete, give me a name, and then Steve, give me a name. Casey's General Store. Keep an eye on this thing. Peloton down on recall old right. pedals. Good weekend, Bye. everybody. The exchanges now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.